Luther has just earned two awards on this. First of all, he he's I award him the Dan Casey Physical Toughness Award for taking a boot to the face and still managing this goal. And then two of the second award would be the Sam Werner Award because he blocked the shot with his thickness. Welcome, Sacramento soccer fans, to the State of the Republic podcast. I'm your host, Luis, and I have four words for y'all. Light the beam twice. That's exactly what happened yesterday as we saw the Kings win their first playoff game in quite an intense game. And I'm so lucky that I was able to actually watch most of the game. Shout out to my uncle for having it on his phone. And also shout out to the team for allowing us to watch it both there at the stadium and by also delaying the game an hour later. We also saw our very own Sac Republic get their own win 4-0 against Colorado Republic Switchbacks (laughs) FC. And we'll be uh, diving into the game here shortly. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and introduce Sharon and Jared. First, uh, let's go over to Elk Grove to you, Sharon. How's it going? Hey, hi. Yeah, it's going great. I don't know if anybody, I'm going to have to put it on my Instagram post, but my light the beam, um, because I brought my own personal flashlight that I've had for like 10 years. And it was like a last minute grab for, and it was the purple. And I was the only one with a beam in our section. (laughs) And it was pretty cool to have, uh, I don't know if anybody saw it, but I had a beam, essentially a purple beam the minute we knew that the Kings had won. So that was great. River Cats also won. And I know Jared will back me up on that, but everything is good. I've been a heck of a busy weekend. Can't wait to get into it. Jared. It was definitely a busy day yesterday, uh, keeping tabs on all three major Sacramento clubs. And thankfully all three of them brought home the W just like uh, Sharon said. So with, with this uh, history making day in Sacramento, I'd like to jump in into it uh, fairly soon, but other than that, I'm feeling excellent. You know, Sunday, getting a chance to rest from from all the drama of the past day. Thankfully, it all turned great. Luis, how about you? I'm doing good. No complaints on my end. I mentioned it on our little vlog video that, you know, when you win a game 4-0, there's nothing wrong with the ref. <laughs> yeah, you could be nitty-picky here and there too, right? But I think we actually finally had a ref that did what they had to do. Colorado got a red card. Fair one. And, you know, we did what we had to do, right? And we continue to score goals at home, continue to be first place overall in the USL, just one goal against. I mean, Jared, you might have to start putting a meme out there for uh, all the clean sheets that Danny's been getting. I'm sure you're probably already thinking of, like, what can we start calling Danny now that he's got so many clean sheets? But, I mean, it's quite impressive that in six games, he's only gotten one goal scored against. Right. How cool is that? Like five clean sheets. The guy is like leading the way in clean sheets. You know, the dude is like at the highest end of the Hiltons, man. They give you the cleanest, freshest, beautiful sheets. You know, when you stay at one of their nice, you know, high end places, that's what Danny is. Danny's just freaking high end right now. Oh, uh, Jared was like, you took away my. (laughs) Oh, no. We've been known to steal each other's thunder a wee bit on this show, so you know. Sorry, yes, it happens. No worries. <laughs> That's funny. Well, as usual, Sharon, go ahead and introduce us uh, to Glows of Gratitude. 
And now one of my favorite segments, Glosses of Gratitude, where each of our hosts takes a minute to reflect and express gratitude to people, situations, or events that have touched them. Anyhow, let's go. Let's hear some glosses of gratitude. Yeah, and so what I'd like to do first off is toss it over to Luis. What do you have online? So my first one goes out to Mike Mechanic and Chris as well for giving me two tickets so my uncle and I could actually uh, get in the match for free. That was much appreciated, Mike. It was a super last minute ask if anyone knew if anyone had two tickets because when I buy my tickets, it's always great to be able to get them from other fans. And I know some people put them on resale, so I've bought tickets from there. But it's always a shame when you got your tickets, you can't go, and maybe you can't swap them for any reason. And so shout out to Mike for not only you know giving me his two tickets, but also giving them free of charge. I mean, that's really awesome. And then another one goes out to everyone at Sac Republic for delaying the game an hour later so people could watch the Kings game and also for having the Kings game around the stadium in different sites, right? They had it on the bar side. There's that huge screen that they have there. There was probably, I want to say, like 50 people congregated around there. And it felt like we were on this like outdoor watch party watching the Kings play just down the road. But it just it felt like we were actually there at the stadium watching the game unfold with all the people there watching it. And, you know, it was really intense the last couple of minutes. And I'm glad the game ended like five minutes into our match. So that way more people could be also tuning into the Republic game and also to witness all the great goals that we scored. Right. So perfect timing on the team to do that. Otherwise, a lot of people would have missed uh, most of the goals that we scored. <laughs> Jared, what do you have? Yeah, I definitely got to give uh, glasses of gratitude to, to Republic FC for understanding the, the historical detail of the night for Sacramento sports and uh, adjusting their kickoff one hour accordingly. Uh, that definitely worked out to a lot of folks' favor, I mean, especially those of us at, who are living out of market. I was able to turn uh, turn into the game on ABC 15 here in Phoenix perfectly fine. And then once uh, the Republic FC game started, that's when I was able to double screen and I had to use my mobile phone to pull up the Fox 40 website, but still also watch on ABC 15, watching the Kings ultimately win. So that just ultimately helped kickstart what would eventually be a Sacramento trifecta with the river cats winning, I believe 16 to three. I might not be correct on the score, but I know it was that lopsided. And then of course you have the Kings winning their first playoff game in 16 seasons. And then uh, the uh, the third uh, third part of the three course meal, you have the Republic FC handily taking out Colorado Springs, who many thought were instantaneously going to keep that top four rating, but right now that's looking a little iffy. Uh, I'm sure they'll ultimately work something out later on in the season, but. You know, it could well be the Republic FC are that much of a, of a big deal around the league, even more so than last year, given the fact that we have this seating as we do. So big, big glass of gratitude to the club for helping out. One other item that hasn't been getting a lot of news, but thankfully he's got his ear to it. John Crawford, he's brought attention to us about the referee uh, collective bargaining agreement with Pro 2. Now, we're still trying to figure out some some of the uh, working details behind Pro 2 compared to 
uh, pro referees that we have in the USL. So, but just the fact that John was able to pull this information up and keep us abreast of it because it's still a very legitimate issue in the USL championship this season. So thank you very much, John, for, for keeping us uh, in, in tune with, with this. is definitely a major news issue. Um, those are the biggest I've got right now. Uh, how about you, uh, Sharon? Hey, you know, you beat me to the punch and I love it. I love the fact that we're giving a little, uh, you know, good praise for, for John Crawford for digging around and, and finding out some information. That's kind of cool. Um, you know, and it's, it's also interesting. I'd like to kind of give a, a shout out to Ryan Strange, who did his best to change uh, the way that penalties are assessed and um, against criminals who uh, abuse children. Uh, you know, I, Ryan and Alicia have some experience with a situation and he's been championing this effort and I got to give him a hand for being brave and courageous going forward, trying to get a bill sponsored that, um, that actually meets out justice the way it, it, in his, you know, in their minds that it should be. And it's, it was a valid effort and it looks like it's not quite done yet. So shout out to him. The other ones that I had were, um, same thing with you guys, you know, as far as the team, you know, pushing the start time back to eight, it does remind me of summertime where, you know, you get home so late and you, it's a late night for everybody. So that was, that happened to us. But I also want to give a shout out to the, to the team for the celebration. They posted some pictures on social media. We don't always get to see what goes on in that circle after the match, but apparently they gave coach a water shower with their Gatorade bottles, you know, their squirt bottles, their hydration bottles. Social media team at, at Sac Republic really captures a lot of the essence of things that we don't always see. And I really got to hand it to them. Um, the other one is Wendy and Caroline. They both work for the, um, well, Wendy is the manager of the store, the shop for Sac Republic gear. And I had made a mistake on a question they'd asked me about um, a jersey that I had ordered and forgot to pick up for uh, Tina. And we, Tina and I both spaced. Wendy and Caroline were such troopers yesterday, you know, helping me figure it out. I texted Wendy and said, I made a mistake. I didn't pick that order up because I told her I did and I didn't. And they were so good. They trusted me. You know, I, I could have lied, but I, I mean, it was the truth. And so I was able to get that order picked up, but they were so patient with myself. And then Tina tried the Jersey on. It's just so nice to know that people are that loving and, and, patient with with things like that um and scott moak you know he was the announcer at the king's game right scott moak our scott moak who also comes and helps us out um with game day production um you know he's connor has done scott's job at the kings when scott is not available scott came to our our match he didn't have to but he did. He showed up like right around halftime, you know, because he had to close down what he was doing at the Kings. I got to hand it to the guy to come and still be present for us while he's on cloud nine. Obviously, if you haven't given Scott Moke a follow, y'all, you got to give him a follow. If you're listening to this podcast, give Scott Moke a follow on Instagram and, you know, or friend him on Facebook. He's an incredible person and really, really. And then, you know, always Tim Stallings, good guy. And then, a group of people that hauled out 15 to 20,000 pounds of trash over the weekend from behind the governor of California's Carmichael home. That much trash. It was hard work. 
I've posted it. River City Waterway Alliance was the lead on on this. I got to hand it to 54 people who showed up and worked hard, solid for two hours to pull this nasty, stinky trash that had been in a pit from a homeless encampment that had been abandoned, washed out kind of thing. I just got to hand it to those, to all of us. I was there, but to everybody who worked so hard to get all that stuff out. If you guys, <laughs> if you want, tag me, I'll send you a photo of what it looked like, but uh Got to get handed to everybody. And that's my glasses of gratitude. Let's get into the game. Well, that's a great way to end it there, Sharon, too. Definitely huge glasses of gratitude to all y'all. And there's a reason why Elk Grove is so clean. And that's because of great people like you guys that make sure that it's an awesome spot for all of us out-of-towners to stop by and grab a bite, you know, go shopping, all that. You know, it's it's really great. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this game. Again, 4 nil match. I mean, how great is it that the last home game we had in the league, we'll put Cup aside because we don't even really want to think too much about that, <laughs> but we scored 5-0 two weeks ago. Now we're here scoring 4-0. It's like we're all getting used to seeing goals, and hopefully this is a <laughs> recurring thing that we see over and over again uh, at home so all of our uh, fans could witness such great goals. But first one was really great. And who else but Russell to get us the first goal? And it's been a while, I think, since <laughs> you know we have actually gotten a first goal scorer correct. And I had to have to thank Coach for not having Sebastian Herrera. I'm sure he's not ready to play yet because he wasn't even on the bench. But Sharon and I actually got a point because Russell scored first. And again, this is the first for us to see Russell here in the league getting the first goal. But in the play. You got Dami with an excellent cross. We know Dami has pulled great crosses in previous season. And here, Russell wasn't close to getting to the ball, right? But you still got to keep the eye on it. That's something that we always ask of any player. And of course, the Colorado goalkeeper slips it, doesn't quite get it. Russell's right there to make sure that he puts it in because, hey, when a goalkeeper doesn't get the ball and he just leaves it there, you got to make sure you get your foot in that ball. And if you do, it's going to be a goal, surely, if uh, you have an open net. Knockdowns, rebounds. Every freaking season that we've been having this podcast, one of the things that we've been stressing all together, knockdowns, rebounds. You've got to follow the shot. You've got to follow the ball. You've got to follow the cross. You've got to be around the ball at all times when you're on the attack. And this is just classic, basic soccer. And he made it look simple. And I love the fact that he made it just look so easy that he was there in the right place, right time. All of our guys are are geared up better for those knockdown rebounds. But you're right, that cross from Dami, he's left footed. So he knew what he was doing. He was he just so knew what he was doing. But we're gonna see an even more interesting threading of the needle here in a second. But uh Jared, what do you think? Oh, this is definitely a great way to mark your 50th uh, career uh, season goal. In the USL, like Russell Cicerone did here, I mean, he just saw the opportunity, literally played till the whistle sounded, and and that's what gets you goals. I mean, like Sharon said, past few seasons or so, we've been talking about getting in, finishing up, not just standing statue-like, but if the ball pops out, as long as you're not offside, you know, just get in there, keep punching as you can, and 
Russell, once again, gets on the scoring table with, with this effort. Pretty special. And I think, was it his goal celebration where he shot a basket? I, I, I'm yes, trying to it remember. Was. It was. Yeah. So that was quite the uh, nod to uh, the Sacramento Kings, you know, by, you know, pretending to shoot a basket. That was uh, pretty special. So, so I was kind of, all right. So like my seats are more towards um, 105 and they're, it's more towards the 104 side of 105. And I was just like, they're scoring all the goals at the far end. It's harder for me to see. <laughs> now, Tina, she got a great view. John Crawford sits more towards that end. And so does William. So those guys all got great views of these goals. And it was like, yeah, we need to save some goal scoring so that we can see it at our house. But you know what? I don't care. Score all the goals. Run up the freaking differential. That's what I posted that on social media. USL, the USL uh, uh, Facebook wall was like, you know, how's your team doing? And it's like I said, we're just calmly running up the differential and keeping clean sheets. <laughs> you know, I actually was really fortunate. And I, I really thank Mike for the fact that he had his seats over on NE, which was right behind the goal net. And I got the best view of those three first goals. And that was awesome. I'm really thankful for that. Dude, that is incredible. So moving on to the second goal happened in the 37th minute. At that point, we all knew Kings won. And shout out to the team for also making that announcement on the big screen. It was really great. I know most people already kind of knew it because word was going around. Uh, A lot of people, including my uncle, had it on their phone as well. So People knew, but it was so great when they announced that because the whole stadium erupted. It felt like we had scored another goal <laughs> when they did that announcement. You know, that's funny you would say that because we, in my section, everybody had it on their phones, right? And so we all knew <laughs> that they had won. And we all started chanting, light the beam, light the beam before the announcement was made. We had a chant. <laughs> could you hear us? Luis, could you hear us yelling, light the beam? Uh, I don't think I did, but that's because we're like right next to TVB and oh, you're yeah. keeping that. Yeah. And so it made it tough on, on our side too. But I'm sure over in your guys' section, you could probably hear it well. Well, in the second goal, we get a Roro cross. And how great is it that Russell does a fake move, I guess, to say like, oh, I might kick it. I mean, it very well could have also like been a goal by Russell there and would have been a wonder goal of sorts. But Everyone kind of like went with the idea that, oh, he's going to actually kick the ball, right? So I think no one really realized like, oh, you know, Dami is open there. And Dami was close to making <laughs> quite quite a moment that we would have been like, Dami, how did you miss that, right? But luckily the ball stayed there, you know, it didn't go anywhere else and he managed to still kick it in. But I tell you, Sharon, I don't know if you remember when this play happened really well but I remember it clearly being so close to the play there and for a second I thought like oh Tommy like come on don't do this like we really need the second goal and if you don't score it here this is going to be a moment we're going to be like talking about it especially if we don't get the three points in this match yeah because usually a a first first time touch you know uh, has the potential (laughs) for being flubbed, you know, kicking the turf, you know, if, if you don't have a really, really, really good touch, um, you could. Um, so he kind of had a initial bad touch, but then he had the ball was close enough to him and he was fast enough that the defender didn't have a chance to close him down. 
And I believe that defender may or may not have been Matt Mahoney, but I'm not going to name names. Um, (laughs) So, but here's the deal. I don't know if Russell was doing a dummy or if he was just simply trying to do a back heel so that it would get over to Dami because he knew that Dami had a better spot. Um, But we had pretty good positioning. Oh, it was a back heel. Um, Kind of a flick across the goal, even if he didn't touch it. I'm looking at the positioning of the rest of the players, you know, because you're supposed to frame the goal correctly. You know, guy in the front post, that was Russell. Guy in the back post, that was Dami, and he scored. Thank you, Dami. And then there's supposed to be a trailing runner at the top of the arc, and it looked like Jack was late to arrive. But this was in the run of play. So we were on the front foot. We were in the attack on this play. It wasn't just a broken play. So, you know, I'm just – I'm wondering if – they, if the guys just thought it was going to go in or if, you know, I, I, I would, I would be curious to know how coach would analyze this, you know, the front post, far post and the, the attack, the midfield attack coming through at the same time. But, you know, I guess it doesn't matter when you score. Yeah, that's one thing I mentioned in the chat last night. It seemed like the uh, Republic were doing a lot of this, uh, what could be nicknamed uh, selling the okie dokie. Kind of like a uh, a friendly nutmeg that to throw off the the opposition, and this obviously worked a couple of times because I believe it was for that second goal, and I want to say the third goal as well, if I saw correctly. Obviously, not the fourth one. That was that was just plain dumb luck, and thankfully it worked in our favor. But yeah, I mean this this second goal, I mean it worked out beautifully. I mean, the opposition thought, oh, you know person closer would be able to grab it. But the thing is, you got to remember, he's got a defender on him. So he just let it roll. And boom, Dami was was Johnny on the spot right there, able to take advantage, put us up to nothing. And let's talk a little more about this, like, third goal, right? It comes right towards the end of the first half, and it, it doesn't get any better in terms of a teamwork goal than this one, right? There's multiple touches on the ball. Players knew where they had to move. You get a good pass by Arnold Lopez over to what I like to call his fellow cousin, Roro Lopez, even though they're not really cousins, but then you got to say it because they're <laughs> both Lopez's and Roro does an excellent backheel pass. And I mean, only players of his experience can actually give you a good backheel pass because how many times have we seen guys try to do a backheel pass and it like fails miserably, <laughs> um, but he, he does so as well there. You got Gecko on the ball there, waiting to give a perfect pass over to Jacker, who is like right there, ready to pull across. And then who else but Russell again to pull a, oh, I think I'm a kick. Wait, never mind. I'm going to let it go through because I see Luis Felipe behind me getting ready to just hit the ball. And we know Luis Felipe, if he has an opportunity like that, the guy's going to shoot it on goal. I mean, that's an open goal. He knows how to shoot well and he gets the goal right so what do you guys think of just this amazing play so the build-up if you think about it we're playing a two up offense and attack and our guys and mark read what colorado had done to compensate for the for being down two goals they compensated by losing a player in the defense they pushed guys into different positions to try to get more of an attack. So we, it was lopsided. It was like a three V three V two 
when we were coming down. So it made it really easy for us to just waltz right in and slot a ball, ball across. Now that I'm not saying it's easy to do that. And the buildup was great. I think the guys did a great job. I think the passing, they're more relaxed. If you think about it right now, the pl- they're two up. They can play a little bit more relaxed. They can be a little bit more creative. And the opposing team has nobody. They're all up. I mean, they're all, they're, they're trying to score goals versus defend. So their mistake and their goalkeeper was not on his game last <laughs> night, but give all the credit to Sacramento and Luis Felipe and that beautiful cross. And you're right. The buildup that was great. Can't say enough. And if Luis Felipe had missed that, Dami was right there. So we had framed the goal perfectly. But again, you got to look at what Colorado had done. They had to sacrifice players so that they could attack and try to get goals back. Made it much easier. Yeah, and once again, just like I mentioned earlier, you know, Republic FC are just selling the okie dokie. You know, once again, they get get a crossover, make Colorado think uh, the first person that's going to come across is going to blast it through. Nope, just lets it walk through. And then Luis Felipe comes comes walking in, just sla- uh, just slamming it in right there, just like he does. And, and of course, he hits the celly. So, th- I mean, th- this is... Once again, I'm not sure if it's a combination of maybe the Colorado Springs uh, goalkeeper feels like he might not be getting enough help or it or anything like that. I, I really think you know the Republic FC have definitely improved their their goal box game. I mean, with the fact that they are uh, selling just plain confusion of where the ball is, you know, the the ball placement, ability to see the open folks, and it's just going accordingly. I mean, this is. I, I love this. I love this of this team so far this year. I mean, this is the team that not only will they fight and get a goal for you somehow, but of course they'll keep the opponents out of the net all, all night long. In fact, there's only been one goal given up by Republic FC this season so far, and here we are on on the cusp of uh, of, of late April to have that kind of stat. You would think maybe giving up a goal or or, or two, you know, here, but. Only one goal so far and none here. No jinxing, no jinxing. (laughs) I'm not, by no means am I saying we're going to have a perfect April. I'm not going to complain if we do, but whatever it is you're doing, keep it up, boys. We, we would love to see this all season long. (laughs) So you are absolutely correct. I do love the fact that, I mean, when I looked at it again in slow-mo for a while, it was a 4v2. We had four attackers, and then it was a 4v3. But we had overloaded the left side, and they they didn't even cover our left side, their right side. They didn't even cover it. They had nobody to cover. And this was even before they had the player ejection. So Colorado ain't what it used to be. And you know who called that was um, Rob McAllister. He called it that this is not the same Colorado. I actually thought with some of the Republic players, it would be nice. And, you know, they've got Malik up there, but otherwise, hmm. Okay, you're showing us a breakaway. You're showing us. So we've moved on. And uh, Luis was showing us some of the attacks against us. Yeah. And actually, I don't know if you remember Sharon the first half. I mean, Danny had quite a few saves. That's why, in my opinion, he was man of the match and some really critical ones. First half, he had one where I almost like to call it the Superman dive. I don't know if you remember that one, Sharon. Like, he went all out, 
dive yeah. right into it. It was a close one. It's like, oof, that was a little <laughs> risky, Danny, but he managed to actually get the ball. And I mean, just kudos to Danny for, you know, being out there. It's not just pure luck how you can get your clean sheets. And the guy yesterday showed why he's the leading clean sheet guy in the league and why we only have one goal scored in, you know, six games. And I will say with, with the more dives that Danny does, that the less my blood pressure goes up uh, to triple digits. So, so I've learned that just trust him, let him do the diving. He knows what he's doing 99.99% of the time. So if, if that helps anybody's uh, cardiovascular health, just don't get stressed when he starts diving or leaping or anything like that. He, he knows his stuff. I've, I've come to terms <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Now, there is a moment that they won't show here in the highlights, and I just got to bring this up too, but Malik Foster hit Danny, and in my view, I mean, I, I, again, was fortunate to be right behind the goal net in the second half there. It seemed like a risky challenge that should have been at least a yellow card. I don't know why the ref didn't pull it, but Malik stood up, and the guy seemed like he was a bit angry, right? And I don't know if maybe they had something going on or what, or maybe it was just the guy's frustration at losing 3-0, but we were a little shocked to see him uh, a little different, right? Because we've known Malik as being a really nice guy that, you know, not a guy that will be, you know, routing the crowd, but everyone in TVB was booing him. And I don't know what else was being said <laughs> towards him, but we were, you know, a bit angry at the fact that, you know, he did that to Danny and there was another play as well where, I don't recall what other player of ours, too, he had a risky challenge against. Then the goalkeeper just left him at warnings. No card was pulled. But what you guys, like, see? What were your observations with Malik and what was yeah. going on? It was against um, – he, he actually got two of our defenders different times. He got uh, Jared Timmer once, and he also uh, nailed Shane Wheat once. But um, our Shane Wheat was better. You know, Roro saved our bacon at one point. Robo came out um out of the blue. I think I think it was Shane ended up getting beat on the our left side. I gotta give props to Ro here. And Malik was on a, a terror um to head right to goal. And Ro came out of nowhere and did a <laughs> like a spear sliding tackle and uh, oh, for, yeah. force the ball ball out of out of bounds. This was like kind of like right in front of us, and we're like, yeah, Ro, way to go, <laughs> Captain Ro. Um, but yeah, M- Malik, M- so he was, there was a lot of nicking at the ankle. I mean, he, he really was playing hard against us and he knew he had to because he knows how our coach has instructed him to play when he played for us. And that is, you know, you go out there and you, you match up, you know, and you don't lay around on the ground. You don't roll on the ground and Malik's not that guy. Um, but Danny, this was the most I've ever seen Danny Videolo get kind of pounded by mm-hmm. a team. You know, there was one mm-hmm. where he went up for a challenge and came away with an, um, you know, his shoulder and his arm and elbow looked like it was having issues because he held it. And, you know, he was on, he was on the ground a couple of times, you know, kind of like, this is painful. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one of the big things I was noticing throughout this whole match. I mean, Malik was definitely playing aggressive, uh, throughout the match as much as I've seen. And there's been, there was at least three either challenges or scruffles uh, that, that he had with Danny V. And 
even uh, one of the broadcasters, I think uh, Adam Moffat had jokingly, of course, you know, wondered if per- perhaps if Danny o- owed Malik some money or something like that. <laughs> and, 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 I'll, and, and I'll put it this way, uh, me being a Jets fan, I still remember when Geno Smith uh, still owed one of his players uh, a matter of uh, five, uh, $400 or $500 and ended up getting this job broken. So hopefully this is not one of those deals. You know, we still have to go to Colorado and play them, right? Oh, do we play? Do we play them? I, yeah, I believe so because we played our home match against them. Now we got to play our road match, so that's going to be uh, rather interesting. I want to see it's in July. That'd be a good time to travel to Colorado. That's going to be in September, September twenty third. So it's, that's more closer to Ooh. the end of the season. So well, it's hey, two days before my birthday. Ah. Oh. We have to get some more birthday wins going on this year. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, and that'll be a really tough one too, right? I mean, we know how it is over there. Even if it's the same Colorado, they have the altitude playing to their favor. So uh, it'll surely be a different game. I don't think we'll be scoring four goals to, <laughs> to none. But hey, our players, most of them, they know what it's like to play there too. So uh, at least, you know, we're not going into it, not knowing as much like, you know, last season in that first match we played uh, against them there. But speaking of painful moments, Sharon, since you mentioned that before, what an aggressive kick to the face that Luther got right in the call that ultimately gets Colorado a red card. And that might be my only complaint with the ref is that to me, that should have just been a straight off red card. I don't know how that was just a double yellow, but luckily the guy had a yellow card and, you know, the red card was still shown there. But man. I don't know how Luther was able to still like, you know, get up from that, score a goal. Kudos to the guy. I mean, we got to see him after the match and you could tell that there was something there. And I'm sure this morning he's going to feel that. Right. I mean, we all know when we get hit, you feel it the next morning. So, yeah, he had a he had a big he had a pretty big goose egg on his on his forehead and his uh, left eye was starting to get a little puffy. But, But let's talk about the subbing and the timing of the subs. I predicted the subbing would occur somewhere in the 65th minute, you know, since we were up 3-0 at that point in time. And I, and I was telling my sister, there'll be no subs at halftime. Not, no, we will not be doing any halftime subs. And we didn't, right? So, um, and, and then the subbing came in, what was it, the seven, 70th, almost the 70th minute, was it? Or six, 66th minute, the, the first one. Minute. Yeah. And those are the subbing times, Luis, you have said that is when you start making your subs, even if when we're ahead, you know, and I had mentioned that there are many guys that we wouldn't sub because they still need to play 90 minutes. They have to have 90 minute game fitness. And the only way you get it is by playing the 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. So the guys that he left on the field were obviously the guys that he really wanted to have at least 90 minutes or close to 90 minutes. You know, our defenders, of course, duh. But, you know, the other the other players that he did sub off, I think he did it in a really smart fashion. You know, he was looking at productivity. He was looking at age. You know, he was he was just looking at things and trying to also give our guys uh, some more experience. We need to get Luther more confident. And what a confident night, you know, to come away from. Um, and then um, Aldair, he is he's a great sub for Dami. I will tell you, he he knows soccer, so I'm kind of glad he's been brought in. I'm liking the way the subs went. 
last night. I really do. I like the way the subs went. Now, it was interesting with the Aldaid. I do like the fact that he does, you know, he'll go up and down the field, right? A little similar to Damien. I'm sure he'll learn a thing or two from Damien in terms of the style of play and whatnot, too. Although uh, he did get a yellow card a few minutes after he got subbed in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, maybe he was uh, a little too energized <laughs> as he got subbed in, too. But, right. you know, I, I do appreciate, especially when you have a new guy, and I was just telling this to my uncle, and I've told this to a few people, right? Like, how amazing is it that Aldari Sanchez, let's just think back to at the beginning of the year, he didn't have a team. The guy was back home, uh, you know, probably still practicing on his own and whatnot, but he didn't have a squad, right? And he went to open tryouts. He took the chance. He got the opportunity to be in preseason, to prove himself, and then now he has a contract with a professional team and want to make a career out of that too. And yeah, I'm, I'm just like really like impressed by that too. And, you know, like y'all already know, I want to see him do really good as, you know, with the, uh, any other player, but more so with these guys because they serve as inspiration to anyone, even if you're not an Academy player, if That's you right. play in the park, you got a shot. That's right. No, it's, it's wonderful. So <laughs> moving on. After you know the the kick and the and the and the red card and the ejection of the um, Colorado Springs player, we had a badass broken play. This was incredible. <laughs> Here we were freaking out that Colorado Springs had a free kick in our defensive third, right? And we're like, ah, oh, no. And you know, you could see there was some time taking and all that other stuff. And <laughs> what does Luther do? But he takes it. On the backside, uh, interrupts the free kick, and then goes and fetches the ball all by himself, calmly. Well, you know, I don't know how calm this is. <laughs> On a freaking dead run, calmly slots it to the left of the keeper. Who does that? I mean, here's a guy. He's had many opportunities to score already this season, and then he does this, which is just like, this is beautiful. This is like made in heaven kind of a goal. What do you guys think? <laughs> I th- I think with with this, I mean, Luther has just earned two awards on this. First of all, he he's I award him the Dan Casey Physical Toughness Award for taking a boot to the face and still managing this goal. And then two of the second award would be the Sam Werner Award because he blocked the shot with his thickness with that <laughs> ass. The man started the goal with his ass and then managed to race down the field like it was a hockey breakaway I and mean, it was just one-on-one uh, with, with Grant Fuhr or uh, Patrick Roy, any of the old 80s goalies he just races in sneaks it past them get the golazo and celebrate young man because you definitely earned that goal yeah I mean I, I was impressed right you guys already mentioned it but I don't think I've ever seen something quite like this, right? Where the guy who's in front of the ball there in the free kick, like he jumps, he manages to block it, right? Because how often do you see that, right? Like you don't really see that often, right? Where the guy's going to block it. You often see it's going to go above their head. You could jump as high as you want. They're going to put it up high, but he manages to do that, to beat the defender with speed. And it was funny seeing both them trying to like push each other out, right? Especially when the guy realized like, oh no, he's going to, outpace me he's gonna have a one-on-one opportunity and what i'm thinking is that 
the guy for a split second wanted to actually probably kick Luther, right? But then he probably realized, you know, there's like less than a minute left till this game ends. I'm not going to pull a red card and then, you know, be down and not be able to be in the next match. That the guy was probably like, you know what? It just, I can't catch him. I'm hoping the goalkeeper manages to block it. And he just didn't take the risk too. And I don't blame him. I think if I was a defender, I'm not about to get myself a red card when we're already losing 3-0 and the game's about to end, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that keeper, I mean, literally, if it was Danny Vidiolo, he would have had that. But uh, seriously, <laughs> but th- that keeper, <laughs> I I mean, he tried to get big and he tried to be in the right position, you know, to cut the angle. But I don't think he was even thinking that uh, Luther was going to take one in the arse, you know, a, a, a free kick. And <laughs> reminds me of the newlywed game and the, a uh, funny answer Bob Eubank didn't know how to respond to. Um, but anyhow, I'm not going to repeat that. Jared, I'll tell you what that is offline. Um, but you can look it up. Uh, newlywed game, Bob Eubanks, and just type in the word but and you'll see. Um, anywho, just this is <laughs> it's just amazing. The keeper wasn't thinking that was going to happen. He didn't even. I mean, I think you get stunned when you see that. And he's also in the kind of a weird positioning. But anyhow, it went. We got 4-0. We ended up with a Selly, a great after post-game Selly. You know, we won. They lost. <laughs> Luther's the happiest man on the planet. Everybody rushed him um, when the game finished. And I think anybody who stayed to the end of the match saw the joy that he played with and the joy that everybody shared with him in this goal. You know, we've come to expect Russell Cicerone, Cicerone and uh, uh, Luis Felipe, Jack Gurr. You know, we've come to kind of come to expect those guys to score and we expect Rowe to assist a lot. <laughs> Having this, oh man, cherry on the top. <laughs> and only that, right? But Luther showed the speed that he always has, right? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, he's not always able to like showcase it out there, right? But the opportunity came, he showed it, and I mean, he ran faster than Malik Foster did, and Malik was probably watching him <laughs> uh, out there too and being like, wow, like this guy just uh, beat my speed record and it's probably scored maybe, I want to say that was probably the longest run in Harkhall Park history. I don't know if you guys have recalled any other one too, but I've never seen a goal, at least in all the games I've seen at home, that is quite like this, where like you pull a crazy run from <laughs> behind midfield to pull out one-on-one like that. Uh, this is going to be one that we remember like forever, I think. Yep. This, this is going to this is gonna be up there with, with uh, Roro's uh, shot from Citrus Heights that ultimately <laughs> brought Vancouver to, uh, to uh, folding. <laughs> Some of y'all remember that, yeah. Or if you, or if you've seen my video, I mean basically that shot making the goal. You sound, sound like Cleveland. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh dear. Well, so that's how the game ended. Four zero. Um, Danny Videolo got man of the match uh, from the field. I don't know. The announcers may have said it was Russell Cicerone, but. Um, uh, on field, they, they named Danny Videolo. And I don't care who got it. They all deserved it. This was a team effort. This was purely yes. a team effort. Yes, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Everybody p- pitched in, you know, got to the ultimate goal. So, yes, the, the entire team, 
all accolades, all accolades. No, no one did, did, a, did a lazy bit or anything like that. Everybody put in 110%. With, you know, everybody that was on the field, I mean, they, they, they put their work in. Yep. And just a quick little side note, too, but shout out to whoever on the team thought about uh, the idea of anytime we score a goal, you got the two people with the giant flags, like crisscrossing paths, because it's really awesome to see that, to see just like them crossing paths, giving each other a high five, and then you see the flags go like <laughs> side to side. That's that's cool. That's a good thing. I love that they've done that. You know, last year they kind of started to do a flag run on the other side of the field, not the uh you know, one fourteen, fifteen that side. They but then they were what they were doing was they were running right on the same area where um the fans walk. So they did deem that a little bit hazardous because but now what they've done on the near side, the west side, is they have the people stationed in a pocket, you know, uh the stairs that go down to the field, they have them wave the flag from those spots as opposed to running the flags. But I love watching the flags running on the far side. Those are huge flags too. Yeah. Now for another idea too, I mean, this is something that they already do in Mexico. It'd be cool if they put some, uh, you know, some fires behind uh, the goal nets. I don't know if you guys have seen, I think other teams maybe have done that too. They score a goal. They light something up behind the net. Fireworks. Yeah. That right behind the net too. I, they, I think they do it in Atlanta is a team that does it a lot in MLS, right? They score a goal, you see him flare up. How cool would that be, right? It's always really awesome to see them. And West Ham yeah, does think... bubbles. I would love to see bubbles because that's not <laughs> toxic, you know? Oh, would... yeah. Bubbles. It's good for the kids too, you know, to see the bubbles and all that. Yeah, and I think at, uh, either Atlanta or, or I've seen some other MLS teams have it. Uh, they'll they'll have like the cones that spit out like the not quite smoke or or anything like that, but just kind of so, some sort of non incendiary uh, fireworks, you know, something to kind of yeah still get the message out. Yeah, and all like, that. It's like a steam cloud, but it's not steam. It's not smoke. It's just yeah, that puff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. I've seen that too, and it makes a lot of noise when it does it. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. And I like the fact that they're using uh, the uh, what is it the the beeping noise like a, a truck <laughs> beeping noise backup beeper when we get a corner kick. It's like mm. okay, that's good. <laughs> and then a train whistle when we score. It's like okay, so that's what we've picked: trains and backup beepers from a you know commercial truck. <laughs> if if anything, it just shows that we're a hardworking club, you know. We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's well put. Uh, well, let's go ahead and talk about the podcast winner dinner contest because things are looking good on my side. So I, I just want to get right into this here. But thanks to Russell. We mentioned it before. Sharon and I got a point. And also thanks to the fact that Sebastian wasn't even in the match. We used the backup score rule. I don't know if this ever happened before in the history of our contest. I don't think we ever actually had to use the backup score. But here it played to my favor, and also I was the one, only one believer that Colorado would get the first yellow card, and that earned me an extra point. So I got two points, Sharon got one point, and Jared didn't get a point in this one. And then on overall standings, Sharon has four points, still leading the way, but I'm closing in. I got three points, and Jared has one point. Of course, I only get the point during the Open Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well yeah there's another open cup match we'll be talking about it next week but we'll have more point opportunities there 
but this upcoming Saturday, we're back at home playing against Detroit City. We'll see what kit they come up with this time. <laughs> first time they'll be playing in Sacramento. And so, Jared, you want to go first? What are your predictions? I think at this point, we will easily handle Detroit. I know I'm probably going to be way up. I'm going to say 3 nothing Republic. I mean, that's that's how good I'm feeling about this. The fact that we've only allowed one goal and we have the highest goal difference. So as far as who's scoring first, this is always a good problem to have. Trying to figure out who exactly is going to score the first goal because you know they're going to do it, but you just don't don't know who exactly. I I almost want to go go with uh uh with Luther, but I feel that might be a little bit uh too hot. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Keko Keko for my first goal, and then if if Keko is isn't able to do so or isn't able to play, I'll say I'll say Luther. Okay, I'll, I'll be real. I'll say Luther, and first one to get get. Uh, yellow is going to be Detroit. All right. How about you, Sharon? Yeah. So I have three one because I have a feeling we're going to sleep on on something, and it, I don't think it's going to be Danny Videolo's problem. Um, boy, and I so want to go with Connor Donovan um, because I have a funny feeling we will be really good in the air. But I'm actually going to stick with you know my roulette red twenty two, and I'm sticking with uh, Russell. Actually, red eleven. Um, I'm going with Russell. And if he does not see the pitch, I'm trying to think if Seba is going to be back in in the mix or not. Or if I want to go with Keko as my backup or dummy. Dang it. Stop it. Um, poacher. I, I think I'll go with Keko. I think he's overdue. I think they're going to try to set him up. He's been setting other people up, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him as my backup if Russell doesn't see the pitch. And I also agree with you that Detroit's gonna pull the first yellow. All right. I'm actually going to say at 2-1, we get the win. I do think they're going to get a goal on us, too. I think we can only go so long without getting another goal scored against. First goal scorer, you know what? It worked in the last one. I'm going to go with Sebastian. If he's there, great. If he's not there, then Russell is the backup again. And first yellow card, I think we're actually going to get the first yellow card on this one. I'm actually going to go opposite. It worked in the last game. I went opposite you guys, and I got the point. So. I'm going to risk a point here. I'll go with us getting the first one. But of course, hopefully you guys get the point. I don't want us getting any yellow cards. So there you go. How about it? So it, it will be fun to find out who the officials are because the officials for the last game were definitely uh, favorable for us until the game wore on. As the game wore on, it evened out a little bit. I think we were favored. But, you know, it's like, Oh, I wish I could talk to John and see if he's found out who the officials, <laughs> who the assignments are for this coming weekend, because that might determine which team gets the first yellow. Because some of some of, <laughs> some of the officials they don't like us, and so they really, you know, like keep a real close watch on on our guys. But let's look at how the cautions are going, because Roro picked up another caution. I mean, another yellow card this uh, this match, and so I have a feeling I'm. Um, I'm up there because I picked him as the assist leader, which it's kind of getting blown out of the water because Jack and Russell have a lot of assists. Um, but Roro is my um, <laughs> yellow card leader. Luis Felipe does not have that many and neither does Shane. So I'm curious where we are with the disciplines. Always fun to check this stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, just so everyone knows, if anyone missed that initial episode, you do get an extra five points. If you get the right leader and, you know, it's a big deal for us, right? And of course, 
this is one category where you kind of hate to win at the same time because it's who gets the most yellow cards and we don't want to see any other guys miss a game but that's right uh, but in terms of uh, the most yellow cards right now as it stands we got arnold lopez we talked about it before being the wild card four yellow cards and then it's connor donovan and roro sharing second place with two yellow cards and then the list goes on with uh not that many but a couple others that have uh one yellow card who would have thought that it would have been arnold lopez but he plays in kind of the same pocket position that Luis Felipe played um, in a prior season. So I can see that being the situation. I thought Robert picked up a yellow last night. Maybe not. Oh, was was it the game before? Yeah, it may have been uh, the game before. I mean, Arnold. Oh, no, actually, no, no. He did pick up a card yesterday, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. You yeah, know what? I, I, I wonder if they're not updated yet. These numbers might be still, but Arnold Lopez picked up a yellow as well. So don't worry, he's also one <laughs> <laughs> He's also got five now if, if these numbers haven't been updated. But yeah. Yeah, I th- I think I see a name on there that uh, someone does not have a yellow card. We may have to have a look at the other side of the spectrum. Who does not have a yellow card? Huh. <laughs> it looks like Keko- Jack. Jack, but I thought Kecko picked up a yellow in the very beginning of the season. I don't know. Maybe we're appealing yellow cards and winning. Who knows? Or it may have been oh, preseason. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, speaking of guys who haven't gotten yellow cards, I'm surprised Jack hasn't gotten a yellow. So we have Jack, we've got the Sebastian, Keko, and Nick Ross. Do not have a single yellow card to their name. Go figure. Yeah. But Jack is the one that, like, impressed me. I'm like, well, I, you wonder if Coach maybe had a talk with him and was like, hey, all right, I know you can get heated up, but, you know, we let's just calm it down a little bit, right, to make sure we don't get, like, a – dumb yellow card because we know that sometimes those things happen right you get a player who's complaining too much easy way to get a yellow card and also a dumb way right (laughs) so that's all that's looking like we'll definitely be keeping tabs on this uh, as we go on to see how uh that's going uh assist wise though that that is another category that we have and like you mentioned sharon you said roro jared said keko i said jack for assist leaders I and I think we got. I think Jack is stands a very good chance of uh, having the most assists. And it's actually pretty tough right now. So Roro's got three, Jack's got two, and Gecko's got one. Again, I don't think that's updated to yesterday's game, but as it standed, maybe before the game, uh, Roro's leading the way in first place, and then Jack and Gecko follow them. So kind of funny, right? Because we picked those three guys. And so That's our right. three contenders are there. Um, you know, it's just a matter of seeing who who pulls away, right? They're right there. <laughs> yeah. So good news. We are sole uh, occupants of first place in the league and in our division. So uh, that's looking sharp because I know, you know, as, as the season winds on, we are essentially continuing to set the standard. And that's a great thing. So, Luis, take us through what's going on and then also what's going on with, uh, well, I know Jared is going to talk about it in a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're first place overall, not just in the West. We, you know, stayed to that place two weeks in a row. And now the other team that's also got 14 points around the league is actually Charleston Battery, who we know we tied 1-1 in that game that we got that unfortunate red card. Maybe we would have like been solely in first place without them being nearby, had that been different. But at the end of the day, that's the other team that is right there. So 
maybe it doesn't make you feel too bad that we got that tie at home because they are uh, sitting right there in first place. And then in terms of ourselves in the West, you got San Diego now in second place, San Antonio in third, because we'll be talking about it here shortly. They lost yesterday. Um, both teams with 11 points. And then you got Colorado with 10 points. Monterey and Oakland still right there next to each other. Eight and seven points, respectively. And also El Paso and RGB, seven points and six points there. Moving on down, Phoenix is still down there. 10th place with six points. And in last place, the team that we were accustomed to seeing last place other years, and they're still there. Las Vegas Lights with four <laughs> points, uh, but two games short from most of our uh, higher teams with six games. So, I mean, they could still move up, right? They could potentially make it to fourth place if they win both of their games. And uh, I know Jared mentioned that to us on the chat. And I don't know if you, Jared, if you want to talk about it more. It seems like they're going to be playing at a crazy time here soon, right? Yeah. One other uh, crazy thing to, to note here. Granted, yes, Las Vegas is in dead last in the Western Conference, but uh, let's have a look at the, the number of wins and losses. They have none. All their matches have been draws. Las Vegas has inherited, inherited the Joseph A. Bank curse. So technically, they are last place, but they're undefeated. They have not suffered a loss. So I think that's going to be one kind of a buy one, get one for the... Uh, topic that we're going to discuss here in a little bit <laughs> well let's go ahead and get right right to it actually jared uh, go ahead and uh, let us know what tonight's usl unsolved mysteries is from march through november every single match is 90 minutes long at minimum each match full of pride emotion torment power and joy but also full of mystery Join us as we uncover some of these USL Unsolved Mysteries. Now, there's been a, a whole slew of things happening. I know it's early on in the season, so perhaps it may not have a whole lot of weight until maybe August or so. But there are three clubs that are confusing me as far as what their roles are, are supposed to be. Louisville City, San Antonio, and El Paso. These are teams that have, have been almost regular fixtures in the playoffs, but yet they're, I don't, I don't want to say they're throwing matches or maybe they have something else going on in the sideline, but we have Louisville City, a team that is the first USL club to win back-to-back -back championships and have since have always been a, a playoff figure. Now they're getting, oh, what's a family-friendly term I could use for this? Uh, Steamrolled. Cream we'll, steamrolled. We'll go with either one of those. But the fact that Louisville City got blankety blanked by El Paso, who was previously winless, basically 0-3 by the time that match started. And then the following week, Louisville City comes to Sacramento and they get schmageggied 5 nothing by the Republic. Something that has never happened in Louisville City Club history. And then a couple, couple weeks later... Louisville ends ends up beating San Antonio one nothing. Of course, San Antonio being off of that uh, uh, zero zero draw against us with with the extracurricular activities off the field that came onto the field, but we've already discussed that. And then we have El Paso. They make us think they're a terrible team. Then they come up and win big, 
it's it's a, a regular circle with them. They either suck or they or they crush their opponents. We don't know which one they're getting. I mean, for look, look for example, the uh, the Open Cup, El Paso against Union Omaha. Union Omaha being the uh, the other sweethearts of the Open Cup last year. Union ends up whooping them two nothing, and then to come back some days later to beat Orange County, which I know Orange County hasn't exactly been a powerhouse as they have been compared to 2021, but we got to remember they're going through some stuff this year. This is possibly their last year at their current venue, but uh, these three teams, these three teams, uh, El Paso, Louisville city and and San Antonio, I, a a program, a program that you get, that you get at the match that wouldn't help you keep track of what all is going on with these teams. I mean, at the time of recording, we've got San Antonio getting bumped down to third and, and I'm certainly not complaining about that. And in El Paso, they're starting to right the ship a little bit. They're at two wins, one uh, draw, and three losses. Obviously, those three losses are, are going to hurt them for a while. And then Louisville City, they're still in second somehow. Uh, they do have the two losses. They've got 12 points, so they could easily make a run for Republic FC's uh, uh, title of best record in, in the league. Right now, for the moment, that title of best uh, record in the USL championship for right now goes to Sacramento Republic FC. Charleston, the only team that we've that's the only team that we've considered a goal to, they happen to be in first. So this could definitely be a big uh, what if for for uh, Charleston. But this is early season; things are are liable to change. I could be further wrong later on in the year. Who knows? I mean, we'll see what for things end up around August, September, October on all this. Yeah, we we shall see where we are at, and uh, if we're just saying like, hey, we predicted the future, or if we're like, geez, man, we were in first place, and what what are we doing down here now? <laughs> but I mean, it's a great start being up there, and you know, you're getting away from all your other opponents, and you're. You know, giving yourself a good cushion in terms of making it to playoffs, right? Being so far off there. And the team's been showing great performances. And I think if there is ever a time where we start to fall through, I have no doubt that they'll be able to actually uh, revert back and actually uh, be the team that we're seeing currently. So that's the good thing. It's bad enough, you know, when you start a season, you're really bad when you're down there, when you're the Miami FC or the New Mexico or Las Vegas, or maybe not so much Las Vegas, right? Because of the situation there or Phoenix, because they have a lot of room to improve. But when you have a team that's already doing good, hey, anything goes wrong, you know that you have a good team already. Yeah, and Phoenix, the fact that they already have at least one win in their record, which came last week, that's already starting to, to get Phoenix uh, moving back upwards as they should be. So it's so a good, good on them for them. It'll be good to see um, how we end up matching up on our Wednesday night uh, midweek matches against Phoenix. I just I can't believe we're playing them on Wednesdays, but whatever. <sighs> yeah, I kind of I hate that too, but, but at least this way, you know, it gives me the next couple of days to rest afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and it's going to be a hot one, right? It's going to be on August 30th when we play in Phoenix. And. I'm already thinking about how it'll be like, but you know what? At least it's more towards the end of the season, right? That we have to worry about that. 
So that is a good wrap as far as where we stand on everything and, you know, kind of where we stand with cautions and uh, the league standings and our, our own team. And that was a really good unsolved mystery, Jared, to just kind of start talking about, you know, the squads that are like, what's going on, you know, flippity flop. And looking at uh, Louisville, they don't like to tie. So they are staying away from the men's warehouse. Yeah, that Las Vegas is a new place that does love ties. I mean, I guess people want to dress up, walk down the strip, and, and wear ties now, right? That's the thing in Vegas that you do, right in a, Jared, in a limo. Look what you started. You look what you started by referring to the ties as you know Joseph A. Banks or Mint Warehouse. You start that. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's either that or or borrow an old Phoenix Rising meme I had, uh, and this will probably kind of age some of us out. Uh, that old uh, Fox uh, com- uh, sitcom Parker uh, Parker Lewis can't lose. I ended up putting it Phoenix Rising FC can't lose, and in brackets or win. So I may have to <laughs> I may have to bring that out for Las Vegas. You know, maybe put a Las Ve- <laughs> welcome to Las Vegas sign behind it. <laughs> Jared, if you go to that game, I think you're going right to the game against Las Vegas at Las Vegas. You should bring a tie with you. Get a tie, put it on. And... <laughs> well, I, I I know with the trip to, to Tampa Bay, it kind of puts that in jeopardy. But if the prices are good enough, maybe. I, I know that's in, in late July, but w- we'll see. <laughs> or when they come down to Sacramento, right? Well, you'll be having people bring their own ties, right? It'll be like, hey, there comes... The team that sports the ties is coming to town, so we're <laughs> we're welcoming them with uh, some ties because that's their thing. <laughs> um, well, that was a great uh, recap on all that. Uh, so we mentioned it next Saturday. We're back at home to play against Detroit City. 7 p.m. is the start time for that. We're back to 7 p.m. start times, unless, of course, there's a Kings game that happens to appear, which... I don't believe so, right, Jared? I'm trying to remember when the playoff games are at or if they advance to the next round, if there's that possibility of having games clash again, but hopefully not because it is a shame to have two things going on around the same time in SAC, but uh, that, that'll be happening uh, again next Saturday. And then midweek game, the following week, Open Cup, third round against Oakland Roots, Wednesday, April 26th at 7 p.m., Get your tickets if you haven't yet, because that is going to be quite an amazing game. Again, we'll probably be having people come down from the Bay Area. So we want to be louder than they are. And when you have a stadium that isn't fully opened, you got to make sure we get people out there. Because the worst thing that can happen is uh, seeing more uh, louder Oakland fans show up than our own fans, right? And that could happen. Oakland fans can be loud. And we don't want them to be louder than us, especially at our own home turf. And disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Remember the last time they came to town, they were banging the drum during the national anthem and walking around and yeah, they were chanting, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. So just yeah, we just... I, circling back to the Kings, uh, they do not play on, on Saturday. Uh, should they make it past um, Thursday? Golden State. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we're fine. No need to worry about game times. Well, that's really good. I'm glad that they wouldn't clash again too. But of course, as Sacramento advances, there's always that risk of it happening too. But, you know, if at all possible, make sure that 
uh, the times don't collide because we want to watch both games without having to have two screens and not really be focused as much on what's going on with the Republic. We want to make sure we're we're there watching both. All right. Well, Sharon, Jared, uh, last final parting words here before we say goodnight. Hey, let's go get the Motor City. All I know is we're going to be having some victory at Detroit style pizza and no, not from Little Caesars. Go Republic and also go Kings. Yeah, definitely not from Little Caesars. That place, uh, if anyone likes it, I mean, great for you, right? But I, I personally put it at the lowest level of pizza chains out there. Any other pizza chain is better, but that's just my <laughs> my opinion there. But uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, we get the win. We're celebrating with some Detroit-style pizza and everyone continues to celebrate just like we did uh, yesterday with the three teams winning in Sacramento. Really awesome stuff. Let's keep it going in that same route and continue to get three points and be undefeated at home as well. Well, everyone, uh, have a great night. Thank you so much for all of your support as usual. And you'll hear us next week here on State of the Republic podcast. Cue the music. Edit. I have garbanzo beans sitting here as snacks. And I just caught my cat, the boy, eating the garbanzo beans. And I lost my train of thought. I am so sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> These are my garbanzo beans. That I t- He's licked them. What do you do after your cat licks all the garbanzo beans? Do you eat them or do you wash them? I think I have to wash my garbanzo beans. Sorry. Sorry for the edit. Let me get back on track. <laughs>